Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning. It is Tuesday, July 14th, day before tax day, or the new tax day for this year because of the COVID-19. Anyway, we've got um, a market story to discuss today and an analyst snapshot on Puerto Rico. First off, uh, in the primary market, the regents of the University of California brought 2.6 billion of AA-rated general revenue bonds via joint senior managers JP Morgan and Wells Fargo Securities. The deal included 790 million of tax-exempt 2020 Series B bonds. And that's why Municipal's Kathy O'Donnell breaks down the deal for us. And turning to our research, depart- research department, um, on June 30th, the FOMB released the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico's fis- final budget for fiscal year 21, which will end June 30th in 2021. Now, because both the FOMB and the Commonwealth lack recent audited or unaudited financial statements that serve as a baseline in compiling a budget, the document is of dubious value to investors and other parties. So says Greg Clark, DebtWire's Municipal's Head of Research, and he'll give us his take on the fiscal plans. Good morning, Kathy O'Donnell in Harrisburg, PA. How are you? I'm doing well, Young. How are you doing? I'm okay. Um, it's weird how, you know, I mean, obviously people have talked about it ad nauseum, but it's all a blur now, and it's like, wow, middle of July. It's like, it's, it's, it's so funny that, you know, we measure in waves, you know, after March, mid-March, when they told us to work from home, and then they extended the tax deadline. I think that that is, is like one quarter, like, okay, now it's taxes are due. We've finished one quarter. <laughs> so that's true. I know, all the milestones, it's like, you know, as reporters, as, as you know, you know, June 30th, you know, is all the budget time. Right. And so you're kind of the rhythm of your life is is disrupted in in ways you know i, I call this jarch kind of july march <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah more fortunate than some so i'm not complaining you know so uh you know it's just it's just an as for everybody it's just kind of an odd thing so yes i think you should copyright that ter- that term but anyway uh, <laughs> so kathy <laughs> So I understand there was a $2.6 billion regents of the University of California deal, and much of it was taxable that priced last week, and it got pretty good reception. Tell us all about it. Sure, Young. Um, well, yes, there, there, um, that deal did come last week, and um, it was certainly more evidence of the taxable muni new deal period that we've been seeing of late. Um, and that deal had uh, 790 million of tax exempt bonds, but also um, two series of taxable bonds, a larger of which was upsized to one and a half billion from 1.2 billion, um, as, as was described in uh, the preliminary official statement for the offering originally. Now, tell us what's driving this uh, the, the demand. Well, uh, I spoke with um, Barry Hoare of, of uh, Bel Air um, Investment Advisors, and, and you know, as he put it, the bid for California paper um, is 
you know, back to being insatiable and, and money uh, has just continued to come into municipal bond mutual funds. I think the latest flow data from Senator Lipper shows now, um, as of last week, nine straight weeks of, uh, you know, flows. So the funds have money, you know, to put to work. And then on top of that, of course, there's the, um, you know, the summer supply demand imbalance with a significant amount of bonds, um, you know, being called or matured and leaving the market. Um, so, so that kind of the technical uh, landscape is is contributing to that as well. But as you know, California papers is always quite popular. Yes, the paper is popular. But let's let's let me ask you. Let me phrase the question a different way. The paper is popular, but the state itself is seeing a huge surge in virus cases, though, right? I mean, I saw that on the news that the governor Gavin Newsom. Yesterday, order the closure of indoor businesses, uh, the bars, the restaurants, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And certainly, universities like the University of California are feeling the effects, aren't they not? Yes. Unfortunately, California has uh, seen, you know, an increase in, in cases. So, you know, the trajectory is, is not as had been hoped there. And another uh, portfolio manager I spoke with last week when reporting on the story, um, Mary Talbot of the Stanley Lamont Group, um, hope I'm pronouncing that right, but um, she told me, and I kind of like the succinctness of her um, phrasing of it, she told me she doesn't buy California paper right now. And when I asked her why, she said two of the reasons were too much virus and too <laughs> unstable of an economy. <laughs> so there you have it. <laughs> um, so that was, uh, you know, kind of a, a good way to put that. But um, but at Bel Air, um, you know, as Barry Hoyer said, you know, well, he doesn't have a problem with the University of California as a credit. And in fact, he, he thinks it's going to fare pretty well, um, given what he expects the higher education landscape to look like going forward. Um, in this kind of new environment we're in with COVID-19, um, he, he expects it to fare, you know, pretty well given the system's large enrollment, um, you know, their ability, their adapt, you know, adaptation to virtual learning. Um, but, you know, overall, he's just really not a big fan of the media market at this point because he doesn't think there's um, sufficient risk that has been been priced in. Um, and he said that, you know, California spreads just in general are not too attractive, especially since the state, you know, has some structural issues. And he thinks it's possible that a uh, state of California paper could get downgraded in the next couple of years, which could, um, of course, you know, pull some other paper down along with it. Um, and, you know, while the state's problems could push, you know, put some pressure on the University of California's ratings, because ultimately the university system does roll up to the state, he thinks that, um, you know, that the university system there is fairly well positioned for the future. Um, and he, he also thinks that, you know, like large school systems like University of California, University of Texas, University of Florida, those types of schools, as well as the kind of premium schools, are better positioned in, in this environment that we're in, um, you know, places that have like, you know, the premium schools are like places with, you know, the degrees that have some, you know, cachet in the job market are likely to do better um, and uh, large schools as well, you know, going forward than schools whose diplomas necessarily don't open doors in the job market. So, um, so he thinks um, that, you know, given, given where we're at, uh, University of California is, you know, fairly well-positioned among uh, some other schools. Definitely, definitely. And and you're pointing out little disconnects in the market, like too much virus or, and even, even the equity markets are obviously, some people are saying with the surge in cases, some people are wondering, are the markets even assessing 
the slowdown, the economic impact, uh, especially in the states that are hard hit. So interesting times indeed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, not a good time to be a Pollyanna, just my personal opinion there. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do tend to be a Pollyanna, I must admit, but I'd say okay. that there are some, <laughs> some reasons to watch. So anyway. All right. Well, like you said, we'll certainly keep our eyes uh, watching on it. And I know you're doing a great job. So, Kathy, thank you so much for your time today. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Young. Stay safe. Bye-bye now. You too. Bye. All right. Let's head up a little bit north of New York City to, I believe it's Rockland County, Greg? Greg Clark. Oh, our Westchester. Westchester. Sorry. <laughs> uh, we'll be hearing from, this is the, Greg Clark, our head of municipal research, who is producing a series of reports on Puerto Rico and three of its major borrowers. So Greg, tell us more about your insightful research. Good morning, Young. The four reports we're writing are on the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico regarding its general obligation bonds, the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, commonly known as PREPA, the Puerto Rico Aqueduct and Sewer Authority, and the Puerto Rico Highways and Transportation Authority. And what prompted you to choose each of these four? Well, each of the four borrowers recently had a fiscal plan approved by, the, by Puerto Rico's Financial and Oversight Management Board. Uh, shorthand for that is the FOMB, which is the, the agency put in place to oversee Puerto Rico's uh, bankruptcy and ideally recovery from bankruptcy. The fiscal plans are intended as long-range outlooks that investors and other interested parties can rely on. And regarding the Commonwealth, uh, it and the FOMB also release an annual budget, that's a one-year document, as opposed to the fiscal plan, which is a multi-year document. And the budget covers uh, the fiscal year that ends on June 30th of 2021. And your report indicates that you are critical of these documents. Why is that? Well, the big problem is that the Commonwealth lacks recent audited or even unaudited financial statements, which commonly serve the baseline in compiling a budget. In other words, if you overspent last year, you've got to take that into account in uh, putting together your, your budget for this year. Uh, if you had a surplus last year, then you want to know that too. And making more, things more confusing is that the budget, the one-year document, presents only one side of the story. They give you expenditures in about, I think it's a couple hundred pages of detail, but there's no corresponding revenues that tell you where the, uh, how the expenditures are going to be paid, $10 billion in expenditures we're talking about. And you need both sides of the equation to make a budget, otherwise it's just a, a one-sided. Now, there's references in the budget to the FOMB's fiscal plan, the long-range document, that indicate that the fiscal plan might include relevant information about revenues. And when you look there in the fiscal plan, there are revenue forecasts for fiscal year 21 and subsequent years, but there is no revenue figure in the plan that seems to correlate with the above appropriations or expenditures figure of $10 billion. So, let me ask you, Greg, was there anything else unusual about the budgeting, about the budget process? Yeah, a, a few things. One of them was that, uh, is, is that the situation, the reason for the confusion may be that budget negotiations occurred between 
uh, the release of the fiscal plan on May 27th and budget adoption, which became official on June 30th. So you've got a little bit over a month in which some negotiations between the Commonwealth and the FOMB were occurring. On June 7th, for instance, uh, our San Juan reporter, Ava Yorens, reported that the Commonwealth submitted to the FOMB a revised budget for fiscal year 21. Now, although this is a public document, it was not made available to the public by either FOMB or the Commonwealth. And in general, although FOMB included some economic effects of COVID-19 in its May 27th revenue projections, the impact of the virus on Puerto Rico's economic base, as elsewhere in the U.S., can't be predicted. And as it turns out, the Puerto Rico government agency reported that April's, April of 2020, the general fund revenue was 61% short of fiscal year 20 projections. And then on June 17th, the Commonwealth's Economic Development Bank noted that its index of economic activity experienced a year-over-year decrease of 7% in April. Uh, keep in mind, that's a, that's a drop in the index, not in economic activity per se. So then, what is your overall conclusion? Well, first it seems clear that the Commonwealth is unlikely to produce timely and accurate financials anytime soon. We've written previously about the audited statements for fiscal year 16, which are the most recent ones available. And those statements are notable for the time it took to produce them, 34 months, almost three years, in other words, uh, when even 12 months is considered too long for a state-level entity. Uh, they're also notable for the qualified status that the auditors assign to major operating funds. The FOMB asked the Treasury Secretary of Puerto Rico, Francisco Perez, on July 1st for a plan that would expedite release of audited financials, but without going into a lot of detail, results of that conversation did not sound encouraging for people like us who would like to see more recent and accurate financials. Uh, going a little bit further, the Commonwealth's budgeting has also been opaque for at least as long as the FOMB has existed, and there is likewise no sign that this situation is going to change. And getting cutting to the chase, without an understandable budget forecast and without reliable financial statements, it's impossible to tell whether the Commonwealth can expect an operating surplus or deficit in fiscal year 21, much less uh, the out years. And without that information, you don't know the long-term credit worthiness of any bonds that will be issued to restructure outstanding geo bonds. And selling the restructuring bonds is an, is an essential step in getting Puerto Rico out of its Title III bankruptcy. Yes, indeed. Does that answer your question about why I didn't like the documents? Yes, it definitely does. And like you said, it's been it's been uh, opaque since from day one, from the creation of the FOMB. But, um, well, Greg, thank you so much for your time up there in Westchester County. Uh, stay safe out there. We hope to talk to you again. I just want to highlight that, like you said, this is a series of four analyst reports. The first one was this week. This week was on the Commonwealth. Next week will be on PREPA, correct? Uh, that's right. As long as you guys invite me back, I'll talk about PREPA next week. Okay. We'll, we'll keep that in mind, but we just want to let the listeners know you've All got right. the Commonwealth and the PREPA out there okay. on our website. But Greg, thanks again for your time. Take care. Thanks, Jim. And that's our show for today. Uh, thanks to our participants, Greg Clark, Head of Municipal Research, 
and Kathy O'Donnell, one of our senior reporters. Thanks to Christian Ayala, our producer. And again, as always, thanks to you, our listeners out there who are staying safe, staying cool, hopefully, in this summer heat. And um, please tune in next time on the Mini Lowdown for the latest on Distressed Mini Credits. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.